My button's turned on. Great. Your button? My button, my 48V on the, on the oh, Scarlet. Oh, my God, yes. When I went to B&H and they were like, if you don't click this, your life will be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. All right. I mean, it seems a little dramatic, but I, you know, I, I, I get what you're, what you're you know saying. You know what? You know what? I've never forgotten to click it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. You'll die. It if worked. you click it, you'll die. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Got it. <laughs> 10-4. I don't want to die. Do you want to tell everybody uh, who we are, where we are, what we are, and uh, where they are? Absolutely. Um, Welcome to Disastrous. You are presumably in your headphones. uh, And we are the podcast in which... We answer the question, how many historical figures does it take to screw in a light bulb? But then (laughs) the light bulb actually exploded. (laughs) And uh, how much money did the people that got shatters of light bulb in their faces, how much did they collect? Yeah. It's nice. Uh, Hopefully a lot. (laughs) Hopefully a lot. Uh, But almost never. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where I'm now sitting down, looking around my desk and just finding an object. And that's <laughs> that's how I make our our show description. Uh, this is the Disastrous Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And uh, Hannah's going to tell us a, a pride Yeah, yes. Story um, to kick off her part two. Absolutely. This is going to be part two of our conversion therapy episode titled We're Therapist. Um, And, you know, we're finishing off Pride Month pretty soon. So why not finish off strong with some sad stuff? Some really (laughs) devastating news. Some real hard truths to swallow. Yeah, and if we did current events, it would be also pretty bad. So so this is actually going to bump up into today, modern day. All right, a true historian. Yes, I said I can give you decades upon decades of history. <laughs> um, so if you didn't listen to our episode from like two weeks ago, you might be a little bit confused. Uh, I recommend you listen to that if you feel like you have the capacity to do so. Um, Mm. We talked about like the historical hypotheses around queerness, some of the methods of trying to quote unquote cure it, uh, heavy quotation marks around cure. Yeah. If if you're envisioning a sentence, just envision mostly quotation marks all around each other and then the teeny tiny word cure in the middle. Very small. Um, and now this week, we're going to talk a little bit more about conversion therapy in the late 20th and then into the 21st century. I'm going to lead off again with some resources. Uh, I'm going to say Trevor Project. They have a phone call helpline, the text helpline, and the online chat helpline. I think the text helpline is like the smartest thing in the world. Um, yeah. Because it's very scary to call something, and it's so much easier to text. Oh, my God, yes. Like, if it... if I'm just me as a millennial. Mm-hmm. It's terrifying to call literally anybody yeah. at any time. Yeah. Like if I get a phone call, it, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Just text. Yeah. So Super this way, easy. You if do you it need all help, the time. you can send a little texty. Um, to be a little bit more politically involved, uh, nclrights.org, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Um, and look, if you're like a gay man or you're bi or pan or anything that isn't a lesbian, I think they'll probably still take you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just an assumption, but, um, I think you'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't think those programs are like, yeah, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck off 12 year old person trying to come to terms with their identity (laughs) or trying to vote for social change. No, no, they'll take you. 
Um, and then we also have Glad, which has resource lists for different subcategories, cross sections mm-hmm. of identities, which I think is super cool. Uh, trigger warning again. We got homophobia. We got a uh, touch of sexual assault, you know, bullying, self-harm, suicide. Um, I love when people listen to the podcast. I love when people engage with it. But put yourself first, um, especially during Pride Month and, you know, also during all 11 other months of the year. Um, put your own well-being first, please. Yes, please. Yeah. Please take care of yourself and we will... Do our best to take care of you, too. And we'll see you on the next one, you know? Um, (laughs) So, last week, we talked pre-Freudian, and we talked about the golden age of uh, conversion therapy. So, a lot of this stuff I'm going to talk to you about today kind of started on the tail end of the golden age. So, everything's kind of dying down medically, and at the same time, um, all these what are called ex-gay ministries are being established. So, 1973, we see the formation of the first contemporary ex-gay ministry. An ex-gay ministry is kind of just a a religious organization with the aim to make people no longer gay. Thus, ex-gay. Oh, God. They're like, hey, y'all, do you want to just be miserable and, like, suppress everything inside you? And, uh, and, you know, and we'll uh, support that? Yeah. And maybe force you to do it? Yeah. That's us. You know, the only way to have a good life is to be miserable, but then also believe in Jesus. But mostly, you have to be miserable 24-7. Oh, God. Oh. Yeah. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. (laughs) So this uh, ex-gay ministry, the very first one, is called Love in Action. Uh, It's later on known as Restoration Path, and it was founded just north of San Francisco in Marin, California, which Mm -hmm. weird number of this stuff happens in California, Mm. Um, which surprised me. That is surprising. You would think it would happen in like the Bible Belt. I know, but I I wonder if it's almost like a counter reaction to Mm. like liberalness in California. Yeah, they're like... Like, a lot of people with, uh, like, quote, alternative lifestyles live Uh in California. So let's set up camp there. Yeah. If you want, like, the most numbers of people you have to actively try to convert, the Bible Belt's not going to do it for you. Those are, that's easy. There's no challenge in that. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, Love in Action ran a lot of conversion programming. They had a camp called Refuge. They had the Family Freedom Intensive, which was a four-day program that happened monthly. And it was for parents of teens struggling with same-sex attraction, pornography, and or promiscuity. Um, So, it's for their parents. (laughs) So, I'm imagining a four-day, like, advertisement, basically. Ugh. And two of those things were like, we celebrate, you know, it's like, what is it? Um, promiscuity. We're like, oh, sexual, like life. Liberation. That we, yeah. Live, that we live. And homosexuality also something that we're like, yeah, let's throw a, a fucking parade. Yes. We love mm-hmm. you and support this. And then addiction was Pornography. Pornography. Yeah. All right. Well, also, to be fair, in a very healthy way can definitely be used in Yeah. In regular life. Yeah. Has has its faults as an industry. Um, has its faults as something you're viewing and engaging with. But you know what? I don't know if I trust them to have a nuanced take on pornography. Exactly. Like if you're not skipping work to watch it, like, it's probably okay. So, if you know the book and then the later film adaptation of The Miseducation of Cameron Post, that was actually based on this camp, uh, the camp they ran, and then also the memoir Boy Erased, which was also then a film, 
was like directly inspired with real life experiences. So this comes up in media. It's around. Okay. 1976, three years later, love in action is like, you know what? We got to be bigger. We got to be better. No, you don't. No, you don't. (laughs) You don't. Stay small. Because stay small. Stay really, really small. Actually, I think maybe like a, oh, we reel it in. Yeah. Reel it way, way in. Mm -hmm. And we become a very niche market, if anything. (laughs) So the Love in Action, along with a few other ex-gay ministries, would form Exodus International. And Exodus International would grow into the largest ex-gay ministry, like, ever. And would spin Mm. off another whole organization called Exodus Global Alliance. Okay. At its peak in 2006, Exodus International had over 250 local ministries in the U.S. and Canada. And 150 ministries across 17 other countries. They had an operating budget... Mm-hmm. And they had an operating budget of over a million dollars, which actually felt small to me for an organization of that size. Yeah, but exactly. It's like, how, how do they fund that many ministries with that amount of money? I imagine it's a lot of like collaborations with other religious entities, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had their little paws in everything, in every honey jar. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, ugh, these <laughs> sinister little bears. Yeah. Just... And also, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. 17 countries, U.S., Canada, you know, collaborating with other establishments. They're one of the biggest players in the game in the late 20th century and then early 21st century. Their methods, though, what were they? So we're not doing lobotomies anymore. We're not doing electroshock because that is so, that is messed up. And we would never harm our children in that way. Mm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's just send them to camp and emotionally fuck them. Let's just psychologically dig around in there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. We could like dunk their heads into ice baths and be like, are you gay? No, are you you gay still? You know, like we could do that or we could really get in there Mm -hmm. with like, hear me out, a prayer group. (laughs) Honestly, they loved group therapy and individual therapy, like utilizing both. So, um... The organizations would mix Bible study, individual and group therapies, and then pastoral counseling, which when I first read that, I thought, pastoral counseling? Are they just milking cows? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Oh, so they're farmers. All right. I'm I'm just a dumbass who can't read. It's pastor. (laughs) It's pastor. All the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you should watch me do the crossword. I get like half the clues wrong just because I can't read. Um, it's so, but no, it's pastor, like, you know, a head of a church. It's basically just therapy, but through a religious lens. Um, great. Completely unbiased therapy. Yep. Sounds yeah. great. And of course, with something like that, there's less kind of regulation around who's doing that. Like, yeah. these religious entities can just put, you know, freaking Johnny whoever leading a group of, like, teenage boys and, yep. you know, telling them to hurl slurs at each other, and that's therapy. Oh, my God. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, our good friend, Conservapedia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe that exists. It's, it's so, so wild to me. So they have some thoughts on curing homosexuality. They say that, quote, the Bible and Christian faith are powerful methods of becoming a heterosexual, as are participation in activities like baseball and chess. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. What if baseball made people not gay? <laughs> You're like I was 
gay all during my childhood. I knew it. My parents knew it. But then they sent me to baseball camp, and I <laughs> also and I was like, "Hey, pussy, great!" <laughs> all of Yay. a sudden, it became appealing. Like what? Um, if you have seen High School Musical two. You are well aware that baseball is not a straight activity. Those two were in love with each other. Chad and Ryan, or whatever their names were. (laughs) Yeah. And if you've ever been, like, a straight or bi woman watching baseball, you, you know. The butts. The butts. Yum, yum, yum. the butts. It's butts. (laughs) All right? So, like... Don't pretend like baseball is this like heterosexual like yeah. <laughs> and chess. I know <laughs> chess was wild. It's like <laughs> Are you mm, yes, me? chess is the most masculine of activities, right? And like a girl playing chess is like, you know what? This makes me want to fuck a dude. Yeah, like no, no, it doesn't. I mean, it was like, you know what? If a hot chick was playing across from me and she was really smart and and, and stuff like that, I would yeah. I, I would be into that. That actually sounds really hot. They're like, you know, the bishop looks like a nipple. <laughs> Baseball and chess. The two weirdest things. They're like, you know what? You know what won't make you gay? Wrestling. it's as if they gave someone two minutes to write that article Mm, and mm -hmm. they did what I did, which is they looked around their desk and had like a signed baseball sitting there and like (laughs) a chessboard. And they were like, sure. Mm -hmm. Those two things. Um, There were also organizations that were founded like NARTH, which is the National Association for Research and Therapy of Homosexuality. Um, and NARTH was founded as a backlash against the American Psychological Association. So if you remember from episode one, the APA in 1973 ref- uh, removed homosexuality from the um, diagnostic manual. and Right, the DSM... Yeah. Five? Five? No. Maybe. I think we might be on five now. Maybe it was three. Who's to say? But they also, in 2001, um, you know, every medical organization and every mental health organization had said homosexuality is not a disease and these methods are not scientifically sound. So NARTH was this organization that was founded uh, because... Uh, they considered that these other established medical organizations in the APA were not allowing for the, quote, scientific inquiry to stimulate discussion about homosexuality. Well, no, no, they did. They did. They they researched it and they yeah. came up with the answer. So we did all that already. In what the is... 1960s. No, we... right. What is your plan? What is your scientific discovery look like? So the thing, the thing about science is generally you have a hypothesis and then you do some research and then you form opinions based on and conclusions based on that research. Yeah. So we did that process. Yeah, we did the whole thing. <laughs> a Talked few times. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, they're like, they didn't do real science, though. Like, what? <laughs> They were like, they didn't do our science. <laughs> what does your science look like? They're like, it looks like waterboarding. You want to see? Like, <laughs> what? no, it's, no, yeah. you don't want to see. So they claim to be a secular organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they were often partnered with other religious groups. And they had really strong connections to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Which oh boy. You know what that is. Mormonism. Um, they had very strong connections to Mormons. So we're going to flash back to what I was talking about before with Exodus International. Okay. Giant organization. Really like 
the name in conversion therapy. You know what I mean? Like, when you think like football, you think NFL. When you think conversion therapy, you think Exodus International. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Icky. Yeah. Except for one of them is fun and cool. One of them is not. Yeah. <laughs> one of them encourages men slamming into each other. And one of them does not. <laughs> and the, the, the truth about which is which will surprise you. Okay. <laughs> Wait till the end of this episode for the big reveal. (laughs) So Exodus International, this giant player um, in the world of, you know, religious based conversion efforts, which is really as we move into the 21st century, that's where, you know, these conversion therapies lie. It's all kind of religious uh, efforts, basically, and religious organizations pushing this narrative at this point. So the downfalls and the scandals associated with Exodus International are kind of like deliciously, cruelly scrumptious. Oh my God. Yes. My like, my whole face, I was like, I perked right up and I was like, you lit up. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Tell me. (laughs) Like, cause I tell me how they got their comeuppance. I think there's definitely like a conversation to be had about like, internalized homophobia which a lot of these people probably struggle with so like you know there is the conversation about that and like having Mm -hmm. sympathy for people in that way but it's also kind of yummy yeah of course (laughs) like i think the whole idea about villainizing people who were of your same liking like i think that to me I I don't know why it just it stings a little bit different. It hurts mm. a little bit different and I just want vengeance. Yeah. It makes and sense. I'm like, I'm like these are your people. You are instead of helping them, instead of protecting them, you're villainizing them. You're going after them and I hate you for it. And like leveraging your identity And this quote unquote change you went through to then like perpetuate harm. Yeah. Um, So uh, mixed sympathy. So scandals start so quick. Oh, really? How? How quickly? In 1976, (laughs) they found it. Three years later, 1979, co-founder Michael Bussey left the group and entered into a relationship with another leader, Gary Cooper, the (laughs) co-founder. All right, listen, happy for you guys. Mm -hmm. To be honest, happy that you found, you know, your life person, your whatever, Mm -hmm. but like also fuck the, (laughs) fuck off. It's like, you couldn't have, like, taken it down on your way out. I Just know, right? get it over with then in 1979. Yeah. And, well, like, also, if if we're being honest, you made a, probably some money off of this. So just, like, pay it back. Mm-hmm. Pay it back. If, if, you were, if you were the head of this whole thing and you're like, yeah, we made, like, half a million dollars last year pushing something that you didn't believe in, pushing something that you're, that you have no intention of acting on. It's like, just give the money back so we can give it to kids who actually need it. (laughs) Or donate it somewhere. Yeah. Donate it somewhere. It's like you profited off of something that you fucking just lied about. Um, Well, that's America, I guess. I'm also absolutely obsessed so I think I'm saying his last name right. It's not Busey. It's not B-U-S-S-E. It's B-U-S-S-E-E. So I think it's Bussy. Bussy. Which, have you heard the term Bussy? I feel like I have, but maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Can you tell me? It's like a gay slang word for, like, your butt pussy. Ah! <laughs> so, like, your thrussy? <laughs> bussy. Is your throat pussy. <laughs> oh, my mom is gonna listen to this one too is a problem 
<laughs> Listen, and now you know. <laughs> Maybe she already knows the terms. I'm not sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's going to be like, Hannah, you explained it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, that's not what bussy means. So the fact that his last name, I think, is pronounced bussy is mwah, just so perfect. Irony, um, baby. <laughs> we can get in on it. So all throughout the 80s and 90s, there are former members who became vocal critics, you know, mm-hmm. saying things like no one I ever knew who was there actually was, you know, turned straight. They would speak out about the psychological distress they suffered, uh, things like that. And then in September 2000, Chairman John Polk was photographed at a gay bar looking for a hookup. <laughs> Listen, we want you to live your life however you want it. We just don't want you to be a fucking hypocrite mm-hmm. and enact harm on others while mm-hmm. you do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I'll sleep with you tonight, and then tomorrow I will... Tell you why we shouldn't actually be gay. I'll, yeah. I'll give you some literature. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, we can hook up tonight, but then I'm going to need you to come to my church tomorrow. Exactly. It's important. So. Ugh. So. <sighs> 2000. It's been a rough few decades for Exodus International, right? Mm. They're really going through it. <laughs> I mean, their co-founder now has a thriving, beautiful relationship with a man who I think he's still <laughs> with to this day. God, they need. <laughs> they I think need. it's so hard because I want him to be happy in his in his relationship, but I also am like, why did you do this? But I'm also like, of course he's still with this person to today. Like, and it's like you're talking about this like sinful, evil relationship, and it's like, <laughs> what do yeah, you mean? <laughs> but you guys like. You guys live in Nantucket. Yeah. For the last 20 years together. Like, you've got three dogs. What the fuck? <laughs> you make your own jam. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you happening? I was like, what are you happening? These are, these are hallmarks of a good relationship. Yeah. So Exodus needs some strong, new, masculine, hetero energy leadership. Who's not going to act. Chris Pratt. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, in the biopic, if they don't get Chris Pratt for this. <laughs> oh, Listen, my story's already written itself. Um, they conduct extensive interviews. They do rigorous questioning to test out their new president. We gotta make sure this guy is a real ex-gay. He can't be a little bit gay. He has to be a fully ex-gay. Oh, God. So, in 2001, they gave the job to Alan Chambers. And Chambers was had been in the organization for a while. He, um, you know, was an alum, quote-unquote, of, like, conversion therapies. Okay. He appeared to be a changed man. He married a woman in 1998. Uh, he even claimed that the ministry saved his life when he was younger. So they're like, that's our dude. That's our perfect ringleader. That's our mm. Chris Pratt. Yeah, on paper. Mm-hmm. He was vocal against homosexuality. He called it, quote, one of the many evils the world had to offer. Um, you know, murder, assault. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, God. The idea that, like, homosexuality is evil. I'm like, wow, the thing that doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. The, uneth- the unethical, like, gross accumulation of wealth. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> everything that hurts vulnerable people actively. Sure. Sure, man. Yeah. But that. Um, in 2006, he advocated for a ban on gay marriage in California. But. Eat a dick. Little did the public know, know that that very same year, Chambers started to have his doubts about the mission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Because he's gay? <laughs> Could it be because you can't make someone ungay? Um, 
To the public, he keeps up his appearance as a completely anti-gay supporter. He wrote a book in 2009 called Leaving Homosexuality, a practical guide for men and women looking for a way out. As if it's like an abusive relationship. Like, what the fuck? And in reality, it's just like softcore porn. And he's like, like, one time (laughs) I was with two other men and this guy did this and I did this and then this guy did this and we had a great time and it was awesome. Anyway, don't do that. (laughs) He's like, if you find yourself in a situation where a male lover is gently caressing your cheek, and then they maybe slowly make their way down. <laughs> he, like, goes into detail. <laughs> it's, like, really tender. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, that sounds really nice and beautiful. And he's like, don't do it, though. He's <laughs> like, the, your lover is actually the devil. Um, <laughs> after that book, though, four years later, he completely changes his tune. Oh, Really? <laughs> Interesting. So in 2013, Alan Chambers did a public 180 and made the decision to shut down Exodus International. Woo! Okay. Right? I thought you were going to say something like he did a full public 180 and he was like, this is my boyfriend. Da, da, da. <laughs> but he shut the program he down. Shut it down. And he was like... He issued a public apology to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, He said, quote, for quite some time, we've been imprisoned in a worldview that's neither honoring toward our fellow human beings nor biblical. Oh, my God. He would go on to support Obama's effort to ban orientation change therapy for minors. (gasps) He celebrated the Supreme Court decision to legalize gay marriage and even admitted Quote, I look at gay and lesbian people who are in committed relationships, and I believe they can reflect the image of God. Ye- yes. Of- oh, my God. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to be so mad at him. <laughs> right? um, so it was interesting. It's interesting because he shuts down the organization. He comes out in support of you know, queer individuals, he still, you know, emphasizes monogamy a lot, you know, and conventional relationships in that way. We can't ask him. We're going to give him a heart attack if we ask too much. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, he started, you know, spewing this new message, but it was still within this Christian context, which Mm. I actually think is like much more impactful than just mm-hmm. going completely secular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. He's yeah. still, I mean, to anyone who has faith, it's never, like, for me, I've always said, like, people with faith, I'm never going to judge, especially because, like, I know, like, faith gets people through a lot of really yeah. hard stuff. And I absolutely support that. It's when people use their faith to villainize or Mm -hmm. they weaponize it that I'm like, this is not the idea. Like it's absolutely not. And it's shocking that me with my smooth brain, I know that, but then (laughs) there are like educated people who are like, Nope, the book says, and I'm like the book, but the book doesn't even say that. And they're like, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I interpreted it this way. And I'm like, that's not how fucking, my God. We're not even reading potentially the most accurate translation of the book. We're exactly. reading a translation of the book that was formed by people who were already homophobic and misogynistic. Like Exactly. And, and they're like, well, I already hated gay people. And you're like, well, what? Then just <laughs> shut the fuck up. Just shut up about it. Um, Hate them in private. Yeah. So he has two other precious quotes. He says, heterosexuals don't have a corner on the market of healthy, holy relationships. And then he also said, quote, the gay Christian community can be affirmed in who they already are, beloved. Oh, yeah, they are. (laughs) That's so sweet. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Oh. So 
Exodus International closing, it meant more than just them closing. Because they were such a, like, a, you know, tour de force, they became a tipping point in the conversation around sexual orientation in conservative Christian circles. There are even, nowadays, there are top Southern Baptist leaders who have denounced ex-gay therapy. Really? Um, I mean, it's still prevalent. It still exists. There are still ex-gay ministries, but that kind of destabilized things a little bit and shook things up. Um, And I'm very glad and very proud that Chambers ended up making the decision he did make and especially making the decision to completely tear it down, not just leave it. I think that's badass as hell. That is Um, badass. And I know he probably has lots of trauma and ingrained homophobia, but I also, like, can't help but think of the seven years between, like, his first doubts of his mission in 2006 mm-hmm. and 2013 when he, like, yeah. made his statement. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, <sighs> you really yeah. – and to, to hear you put it that way, it's, like, how many nights was he up just, like, mm-hmm. puttering around the house being, like, I don't think this is right. Like I have pressure from like this committee, this committee, like this much money, all this stuff. And he's like, this, it doesn't feel right. And like that internal struggle and all of that. And like my problem is like, I was like, I'm like, I respect and see that struggle. But at the same time, it's like, well, every year that an organization like that exists is another year where parents can justify being unaccepting of their queer children. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people are actually being actively harmed. Yeah. Every year that you let it pass. So he's yeah. like, you know, he's at a pool party and he's like, wow, that guy has really nice arms. And then he's like, no, no, stop it, stop it. And just like, smacks himself on the head and he's like no that's not what you believe in he's like but do you believe and it's like yeah it's like a it, jekyll and hyde scenario he released a book actually that i might honestly read he released okay. a book after he shut it down that i might it was it's like called like my exodus or something like that <laughs> okay i mean that i might i might have to read yeah. um to do some like hard facts into like the harm that this causes the ucla school of law williams did a really intensive uh research study into conversion therapy and there's an estimate that 698,000 adults in the u.s have received conversion therapy and about half of those people received it as adolescents oh yeah that's devastating yeah like because you don't like I mean as an adolescent what do you choose to do you know like yeah it's no, the you same don't. way we you know we're like oh that 16 year old was a prostitute no they weren't yeah because they're a child and you can't consent at that age you know it's like it's like you can't consent to conversion therapy because you're a child yeah you're, oh you're now talk about a smooth brain kids so currently i actually think this is an outdated stat so if at the time of this research coming out there were 32 states that don't ban the practice of conversion therapy on adolescents or at all um And in those states, it's estimated that 16,000 LGBT youth will receive conversion therapy from a licensed healthcare professional. What? How is that legal? It, It because the APA can come out and condemn it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that psychiatrists and therapists have to follow that thinking. Cause they're just trying to get their bag. They're trying to make their bag. Maybe it's their beliefs. So that's horrible. That should absolutely be illegal. I know. And then there's also an estimated 
estimated 57,000 youth will receive conversion therapy from a religious or spiritual advisor before they reach 18 across all states, not just the ones that don't ban it. That so that was their illegal. estimate. I know. That's, that's even worse. It's like, it, it feels truly like the Wild West, like unregulated, lawless land. It genuinely feels dystopian. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Who's protecting these kids? Yeah. Like, no one. Should we go to law school? I think that's the next step. I think we should. (laughs) We or just show up in court. Should you and me just show up there and be like, absolutely fucking not. And our client (laughs) is due plenty of payment. Just give them money. Just pull out your wallet. Give How them money to get, to get better therapy. Venmo um, them $50,000 right now because you're fuck up. <laughs> so it's like there are all these other stats um, about how people who are highly rejected as opposed to like minimally rejected or not rejected at all are like, mm-hmm eight times more likely to have attempted suicide, like six times more likely to report levels of depression, you know, three times more likely to use illegal drugs and three times more likely to be at risk for HIV and STDs. So it's like when you are endorsing this myth that queerness is a choice, you are empowering people to reject their children. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked. God, that's devastating. Yeah, there's this one motherfucker who helped found NARTH, the, you know, research organization in 1992, right. uh, Dr. Joseph Nicolosi. And he was a fully certified, had his PhD, all that shit, was a certified mental health professional who just mm. established a conversion therapy practice. And you can go to his website and read a client story from a 16-year-old kid who's basically like, wow, thanks, Dr. Nicolosi. I used to get, like, stomach flip-flops when I saw guys, but now I don't feel anything at all. And it's like, oh, cool. You took, like, the normal feeling of having a crush and turned it into, like, numbness and, like, nothingness, which is terrible. Are you allowed to brainwash a child? That's... the. The other thing that's fucked is his website is all about, you know, this isn't conversion therapy, it's reparative therapy, which is a fancy word they use. And his idea is that it's adults choosing this for themselves. And I'm like, so the 16-year-old kid, though. So it's not adults choosing this for themselves, it's a parent choosing this for their minor child. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, that is so fucked. Yeah, I saw that because I was like, oh, you know, the the issue does get more complex when it's adults. And I was like looking out people's websites who still practice this. And I found his website and I was like, well, that's not debatable. That is a 16-year-old kid who's basically like bragging on your website about numbing himself and turning off his feelings, which... As people might know, that's not effective therapy. That's like depression. Like that is. Yes. That's like a trauma response. Exactly. I'm like, and that's what we feel when we have bouts of depression. Yeah. That's a low point for like therapized, medicated people like me and you. Like that's not good. Yeah. The numbness. But also, the fact that you think you can enact this on a child is the most wild part. It's yeah. inhumane. Yeah. Sorry. And a child who isn't probably choosing this, who's probably being pressured by his parents to come do this, even if he thinks he's choosing. Like, I don't even know. I, don't I, know. Hope, I hope this child five years from now is the most free and like accepting of his sexuality and his urges that 
he could, I mean, mm-hmm. like, unless he's like a, like a serial killer, like don't give in to those urges, but <laughs> the other urges, your sexual yeah. urges, great. Like, yeah. So do your thing and have your parents waste thousands and thousands of dollars trying to brainwash you and you could say, fuck you. <laughs> Sorry. All amped up for this kid. I, I know we're going so long, but yeah. I just want to cover like two, uh, well, one into two big things, which is kind of the law around it. Because okay. like I said, the APA, all these medical organizations, the Surgeon General can all condemn it. And that doesn't do, it. it's not useless. It still is extremely important that these major organizations are condemning this, but it's not law and it's not, you know, able to be like enacted upon. Yeah. It's not canonized. Yeah. Yeah. So in 2012, California governor Jerry Brown was the first person to change that. He signed a legislation prohibiting therapy aimed at changing a minor sexual orientation. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Is that so hard? Yeah. It's really all we've been asking for this whole episode. Just the minors, at Just least. The you minors. know? Minors. You're an adult. Do Just whatever. The minors. But like, God, they're kids. The babies. The babies. Um, so this legislation, though, isn't super airtight, right? It's, you know, it's hard because people can be like, I wasn't you know, aiming to change their sexual orientation. I was whatever, whatever. People can bullshit their way around it. Mm. And that's what makes the Ferguson v. Jonah lawsuit wildly important. Okay, tell me all about it. So this is one of the biggest lawsuits in the fight against conversion therapy. And it's uh, aimed against an organization called Jonah, or Jews Offering New Alternatives to Homosexuality. Which, like, hey, guys, Thank God, it's not just conservative Christians. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, the Jews are in on it too? Great. So if your Jewish Jewish kid is gay, we got a place. Like, Homophobia is truly like the real religious unifier, I think. That is... Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought we were safe. I did, no. but no. No. You were like, oh, I'll convert to Judaism. I'll be perfect. Yeah. I don't have any pockmarked oh, yeah. history. <laughs> I was like, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And it's just going to be, everything's going to be like, everyone's going to be so accepting and like judgmental in the good ways. <laughs> and then. No, no, no. Sorry about it. Mm. Sorry about it. So in 2015, five plaintiffs, including three former clients of Jonah, so three boys who had received conversion therapy at Jonah, and two mothers of two of the different clients. So that's super interesting to me because, like, assumedly the moms, like, sent their sons Mm -hmm. to this conversion therapy, and now they're suing them. Interesting. Who knows why? But cool. Okay. So there's Michael Ferguson, and his name is on the trial, Ferguson v. Jonah. He grew up actually in a conservative Mormon home, but they sent him to this organization for some reason. Who knows? Hmm. Exodus was closed at this time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Ah, We would have sent you there, but this is what we got. Uh, And then there was also Benjamin Unger and Haim Levine, and they grew up in Orthodox Jewish communities in Brooklyn. So the three defendants, so the people they were suing, were two co-founders of Jonah, Elaine Burke and Arthur Goldberg. And also they were suing Alan Downing. And he was the life coach who was providing conversion therapy services to the three boys. Gotcha. Before I tell you any more about the case, if you had to guess what they're suing for, what crime do you think they're like claiming or suing for? Um, I would think it'd be something along the lines of like, brainwashing or or something like that like like emotional distress yeah yeah emotional yeah. distress um emotional extortion yeah something like that so i'm my first assumption after reading about what these young men and boys at the time went through was that the lawsuit would be about sexual assault mm. mm-hmm. um 
I don't want to go into the methods that Jonah and specifically Alan Downing used in their quote unquote therapy sessions um, Mm. because I felt ill reading it. If you're interested in reading it, you can look up the case. It's public information. A lot of their experiences were brought up in trial. Uh, Newsweek has a pretty good article. Um, But just to give you a taste, there would be a weekend session wherein the participants had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. (gasps) This is, I mean, just from you telling me for the last 30 seconds, this is way more awful than I initially thought. I was like, oh, therapy sessions, like, you know, they, they trick them into thinking X, Y, and Z. They use... A battery of methods that will, Mm. but no, way more. It's a lot of extremely uncomfortable situations and uh, it's, yeah. Horrifying. (laughs) I don't want to go into it. Um, And a lot of their therapies straight up sounded like sexual abuse to me. Um, And so I'm like, they're fucking suing for that. But they were smarter. Instead of suing for something like that, they sued for consumer fraud. Wait, what? So they sued Jonah for promising a a service that they couldn't provide. They claimed that Goldberg, the founder, had promised scientifically based treatments and touted like a cure rate. Like, he was, like, X number of people leave here heterosexual. They were given pseudoscience bullshit. They weren't cured because there is no cure because there's nothing to be cured. Right. After a three-week trial, the jury took three hours only, which is pretty short, to return a verdict unanimously in favor of the plaintiffs. They confirmed that it was consumer fraud, because homosexuality was not a mental disease or disorder as a matter of law. So they said it in this court case, it's not a disease. It is not a disorder. And we are sticking to that. Yes. And they were like, you were fraudulent in your advertising and in your like practices as a business. Right. Which is brilliant because while not every state has laws about conversion therapy right. and like we know that sexual abuse trials are rife with personal opinion and and hearsay and speculation and all of this stuff that's not permissible in court but every single state and the federal government have provisions forbidding false fraudulent and misleading advertisement oh my god that is absolutely brilliant it's like their kids came home and told them like all this horrible shit that happened to them. Yeah. And they're like, well, we have to do something. And then somebody's dad or mom was like, actually, these types of trials don't usually end well for the plaintiff. We've got to get them on something else. And that is absolutely brilliant. brilliant. It's fucking, it's fucking genius. Oh my God. And also by doing it this way, they ensured that like this trial can be repeatable because in the legal system, you see a lot of like precedents being set and then being hearkened back to in other cases and in other trials. So by doing it this way, you can do it in fucking Texas where there's no goddamn laws against conversion therapy, but there are laws against fraudulent practices. Yeah. And all you have to do is (laughs) note back to like, Ferguson v. Jonah. Yeah. And that's... Wow. Yeah. Um, (sighs) Jonah only had to pay out $72,400 to the plaintiffs in compensation, which I think probably amasses, like, the the money they had spent on therapies over the year as well as the money they had spent on therapies going forward. Mm. Um, I mean, I love seeing like a million dollar payout to people. Like this. Absolutely. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh man, I love a million, but 72,000 ain't nothing to turn your nose up at. <laughs> they also had to permanently cease their operations and dissolve the corporation. That's what I'm looking for. 
Yeah. That. <laughs> so, Great. 11 days later, after the guilty verdict, the co-founders were like, oh, tee-hee-hee, what if we started a new organization called JIFCA, Jewish Institute for Global Awareness? Um, but eventually they were found out and they were ordered to shut down again and they were forbidden from being directors ever in a New Jersey nonprofit <laughs> again. They're like, <laughs> we need you to just sit down forever. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Haim Levin, who's one of the plaintiffs, has said that, quote, this trial probably saved my life. Oh, Haim. I know. I'm glad you got justice. I know. Like, that's so interesting to me, the way they did that. Yeah. It's so smart. I can't get over how smart it is. I know. Wow. Yeah. Great job, guys. So, as of, we're getting to today. As of April 27th, 2023, Minnesota became the 21st state to protect minors from conversion therapy with official laws in the state. There are a lot of other like municipalities and counties that have protections, even um, outside of the states that have protections. Mm -hmm. And that includes Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. And if you are interested in helping the fight, against lgbtqia persecution there is an organization called outright international and they do a lot of work to support queer individuals and movements in a few different ways and conversion therapy is one of them ending conversion therapy um not not i was doing like more what <laughs> i was like no 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 <laughs> this all accumulates in me telling you where to donate <laughs> your pitch <laughs> to keep going to get people in there <laughs> so but they have a lot of different kind of action that they're taking both in the u.s and also worldwide which is super important i know especially mm-hmm. in like kenya and uganda right now things aren't great for queer people. The Trevor Project works with lawmakers in policy creation, and they also help connect survivors with other survivors, as well as survivors with, like, how their testimony would be useful. So, like, if you have a story, they can be like, oh, this lawsuit is going, you know, here's where you can tell your story. Yeah. There's... Um, also an organization called Born Perfect, and they are also working to end conversion therapy. And that's an end to my deep dive. Oh my goodness. That is like, I was sweating (laughs) at one point. Because I was like, I'm going to fight these motherfuckers. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I get up and like storm out of my apartment. I'm like, I'm going to find them. (laughs) So... I didn't cover every single important case and I didn't cover, you know, every organization. Um, I kind of just hit some of the big, the big players and some of the... We're just a couple little podcasters. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just one, one little cute little girl. Little <laughs> I can't cutie. do everything. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like so, in, like it's just been going on for literal decades. I can't girl. talk about everything. But if you have uh, like interesting factoids that you think I should have put in, um, if you think I, you know, said something wrong, I think that we aim in general to be a very queer safe space. Absolutely. And, you know, I myself am queer, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to hit the nail on the head every time. Mm -hmm. So let me know. Um, But this was wildly interesting to me. Like, so... So deeply fucked, but so very interesting and I think yeah. important to know about. Absolutely. And as a, a couple little bi ladies, we just mm-hmm. want you to know that your opinions and thoughts are always safe with us. So mm-hmm. uh, DM us, comment, all that stuff, and we will, you know, we'll absolutely read it. Yeah. And we'll absolutely talk about it. Um, wow. That was a wild tale no a tale feels like it's fiction uh that was just a a wild couple of episodes so what a legend what a legend of the fable (laughs) yeah exactly um well do you want to tell everybody where to find us follow us talk to us all that stuff 
I sure do. You can go ahead and email us. Uh, we're disastrouspod at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you did for Pride. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you go? No, I didn't. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely gotta, I gotta get down there for sure, for sure. And then I like ended up running errands until like 6 p.m. And I was like, what? That? I should have yeah. built this into my day. God. I, I just cleaned my entire kitchen. I know. <laughs> I was like, what is wrong with me? Like I've been in the parade before and it was like one of the best moments of my life. And I was like, this is such an amazing moment. I can't wait to repeat it. And then here I am just cleaning yeah. and doing laundry, picking up my meds. Actually, exactly same. We yeah. have the same pride day. Ah, we're bad gays. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so you can email us at disastrouspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at disastrouspod. And we're on TikTok at DisastrousLeePod. Don't forget that L-Y in the middle. Um, we've been doing some recaps over there lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're like, gee, I should check out the backlog, but I don't have 50 hours, you, you can learn some things in two minutes. <laughs> don't you worry about it. We can recap that shit. Fucking lickety split. Rate, review, and subscribe this one. And send it to your great aunt who should know what a bussy is. <laughs> Yeah, we all need to know what a bussy is, so don't get it twisted. All right. Uh, This has been Disastrous. I'm Amanda. And hey, I'm Hannah. And yeah, you are. And we love you so much and respect you and appreciate you. And we will catch you on the flippy floppy. Bye. Bye.